0: All right, welcome back to the Generational Perspective. Today, we are here with Zach Pulowski, a rising junior at Johnson and Wales.
1: Zach, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Aiden.
1: And uh, how are you doing, Mac? I'm doing great, Zach. Thank you so much for asking. And welcome back, all the listeners.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, Zach, what is your major?
2: Um. So my major, I go to Johnson and Wales University. And my major is in culinary science and product development, which uh, is a pretty big and long major title. And it's it can be confusing to some people.
0: So, like, what exactly is that?
2: Um, So you hear culinary science and product development, and it sounds a lot more uh science heavy than it really is because people get it confused or they tend to get it confused with, uh, food science and food science is something pretty much completely different than culinary science. Um, yes, they are both food and science mixed, but, uh, not in the same ratio at all. Culinary science is, has a lot more to do with culinary arts. Uh, whereas a food science major someone who works in food science it's really going to be very heavily focused on science and chemistry and physics of like actual food molecules it's it's really chemistry and and you know the science aspect of it but with a focus on food you know where as you might be like focused on i don't know space
1: chemistry or something so when you say culinary arts like that's like the traditional like um meaning by like, like, like what like what someone would generally think of culinary like as yeah, in like, like, yeah, like food get, for, yeah because that is classically art, you know? trained it's like classically, all that. Yeah. okay that makes more sense yeah yeah so, so when- the
2: like the culinary side and and culinary science is a lot uh is a, is a bigger focus than well really it's it's there is no focus in food science and in, in culinary science it's a lot of um you you have the the basis of science but it's really focused about the food and and the end goal and whatever you're trying to do is make the best possible product and there's a lot of different ways you can spin that in terms of like what you want to do as someone who's in culinary science
1: or something like that okay so i have a question for you actually so <clears throat> when Aiden first told me that you were going to culinary school. I was like, oh, fuck, that's sick. That's that's unique, you know. And I don't know too many people that are going in a culinary school. And then he told me the, the university that you're going at, Johnson & Wales. <clears throat> and so I looked at Johnson and & Wales. And food service systems and administration management is like your highest major. It's like 35%. But I looked at the other ones, and the other ones don't really have to do anything with culinary school. So my yeah. question to you is... <laughs> Did you decide to go into culinary school before college? And also, um, what is, is this school, does this school have a good culinary school? Because if you knew that you wanted to go into culinary school before you, um, before like 18, before you won, before, after college, after high school, rather, why didn't you just go straight into a college rather that was just, that just primarily focused on culinary school?
2: Yeah, so Johnson and Wales uh, is primarily, Well, I don't want to say primarily. It's a college with a extremely good and well renowned culinary program, and that's what they've become most known for. Um, however, like all of my roommates at school, they're all not a culinary student. They're all my my one roommate who I've known the longest is a cybersecurity major and their whole program for that is apparently on the up and up. And he's, you know, happy to be in that, which again, I know nothing about because I, li- I have all my classes on a different side of campus. I, you know, spend a lot more time, way more time in a kitchen than he ever will. And uh, yeah. And I think the second part of your question was why would I choose to go to this school and, uh, basically. Oh, and and so okay. So, uh, before I uh, applied to the schools, I this was my only culinary school that I applied to. Um, I applied for food science at University of Maine, which has a very good food science program, and so does Rutgers as well, which a lot of people don't really? know. I think, yeah, I uh, cheese whiz. You know, yeah, spray cheese. That was invented at Rutgers. I no think. shit, actually. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know that. And, like, they have a very successful, you know, program and stuff. Um, but, which I also applied to there. Um, and I, at the end of the day, I it really came down to what I wanted to do. I know, Aiden, I, you might be familiar, but I, like, literally... St- since I was like five or six, I had wanted to become a chef. That was like my dream job. You know, some kids are like, Oh, I want to be a firefighter. I wanted to be a chef. And, you know, my whole life parents were like, Oh, you know, maybe not be a chef, you know, maybe wait till you you find that out. Cause it's, you know, it's difficult, um, among other things. And um, I had also become just separately very interested in like science and stuff and, and never gotten to like, deep into it until you know i i realized like i I could actually like make sense of that sort of stuff and um so when i was applying to colleges i i really looked at what was i i i I applied to other places for like science degrees and like biology and i really was going to go to university of vermont for biology and i decided to go to johnson and wales because at the end of the day i'm really not like good at traditional school. And I figure if I'm going to go to school and do something that I want to do, it should be something that I really love. And culinary science kind of blends it all together in a way.
1: Smart. So that's what I was going to ask you. You were talking about how you always liked how you, how you always wanted to be a chef, but then you started to lower, um, you started to like grow this uh, interest in science. So are you attempting to bond the two together and in the same field Kind yeah
2: I, you know that's that's the that's the goal i guess or or the uh the hope is that you know it sort of fulfills both of those passions of mine um and you know cooking in and of itself just like normal everyday restaurant dealings relies on science they everything that anybody does in a restaurant you know, chemistry is there the entire way. And, and, you know, you hear that analogy f- made by lots of high school teachers trying to relate to students, but it's, it really is true. Like, you know, science is relied on heavily for every single thing that they do. You know, aluminum is not going to perform the same as, you know, stainless steel and stuff like that. And then you have to, you know, put the whole food industry perspective on all of that. Um, but yeah. And, 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 so far, and I guess this would be a good transition into what I actually do in school, because um, I'm sure we're going to want to get into that. But like, so far, uh, I've really only had one food science class or, or, or lab or whatever you want to call it, a lab. Um, and the rest has been like classical food training and uh, working in just plain old restaurants. No, nothing really science related, yet.
0: Yeah, okay. so like, walk us through those classes then, because obviously they're not like the traditional school classroom. You're at a desk. Like, like how does it work?
1: Right. And- Dude, that's gotta be sick, bro. I love being <laughs> in the kitchen. Like, I work at a restaurant right now. Like, I just mm-hmm. like the feeling of being in a kitchen. Oh like, yeah, besides it's, it's like great. the hot. Like, I don't like the hot. Um, <laughs> environment though like it makes me feel like musty but like besides that like I just like the environment
2: oh yeah it's very yeah. like uh
1: communal too I like it a lot
2: yeah I, I you know especially when you're working at a place that has uh you know I, I don't I don't want to sound <laughs> I don't want to make a pun here but like good team chemistry like if you know if you're working in a place that you know really meshes well with everybody and uh which is uncommon you know a lot of times it's you know, people are butting heads and stuff, but if you get to a good place where, you know, people are, people are happy and, you know, therefore it translates to everybody else. It it really is a lot of fun to work in a kitchen. And I have, you know, really great memories from working in kitchens all around, except one place, which was uh, not good. And then, you know, that's why people leave those places and then places become unsuccessful. But, you know, uh, but a lot of my classes so far so i i i have normal everyday like Eng, we had to you know do like english math classes just to fulfill requirements of like graduating with a a degree um, so i had those my first year but i also had like you know kitchen 101 basically like literally in a kitchen and they work you through the basics and and you know um you don't you don't get too into detail about everything but they give you a lot of the fundamental basics and understandings of like classical french cuisine which is like you know what you see in ratatouille basically like that type of kitchen that uh type of system of how they do things which uh you said you work in a kitchen you probably notice it's not like a ratatouille kitchen but pretty much every single restaurant in the world uh, is based off of like the same system. So anywhere you go, it's going to kind of feel the same. It's going to have the same system, even though it's not so like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like we're in a, we're in a kitchen and in France and, you know, three Michelin stars. Um, so they give you those basics and then you basically just learn, keep learning different things with a focus like so like e- each each lab is f- 15 weeks so you have two labs a semester uh, for instance one is like breakfast and lunch whatever the other one is like banquets and catering or you know global a la carte which is that that one that class actually feeds a student run restaurant at the school where That's students cool. like you know go and literally eat for free and it's and it's made for Culinary students. And, and does that,
0: does that like, that's just like for their grade or does it like count? Yeah, it's for their else? grade. It's, okay.
2: it's, you know, that's like literally an everyday activity. I want when I had that class, it was uh a lot of fun. I think that was probably my favorite class that I had because it was like you, you actually felt like you were like doing something, you know, rather than mm-hmm. just like making food to make food. You really, yeah, what do they,
0: what do they do with the food that you make like in your classes besides it's that? A,
2: that's a good question <laughs> because um a lot of people would like to say you know oh they you know it gets sent to like homeless shelters or whatever but no it doesn't uh a lot of we just eat it (laughs) and you know you sit down after and you just eat it with with everybody so like there's like literally like a 30 minute block cut out during the day to sit down and have family meal which i'm if you work in a restaurant i don't know what it's like over there but uh, a lot of restaurants have family meal, which is just because you know people end up working long hours, so you get a free meal, you get to eat with all your coworkers, your family, and it's good. Um, but yeah, and then and then uh, so I I think I've had like five five of those types of labs, or yeah uh, five of those, and then one oh no six of those and one food science lab. And my food science lab is a bit different. It's in the same building, in the same type of kitchen, but the focus is completely different. There was a three hour lecture every single morning that we had that class. And uh, then we would just do like basic kitchen experiments. So if that class was basically to familiarize with the setting of like doing tests in a kitchen and, and testing whatever you're making. Um, but we did not eat that much in that class. It was, you know, experiments. We were doing experiments and we had to, you know, write lab reports and such.
0: Interesting. There's a lot of, uh, it's weird. Like you're doing like experiments with food. Cause again, like when I think like experiments, I just think like, like actual chemistry not like actual chemistry, but you know what I mean? Like mixing chemicals and stuff like that. And like, Mm. and like, I don't know, going out and doing like lab work, like in nature and shit like that. But like you're doing like experiments with food. It's, it's like a weird like spit I've never heard of.
2: Well, and and when you think about it th- like this and and for what I'm doing is really, really just like the very tip of the iceberg of science related to food. Like, like I said, food science people like literally will get into like the physics of molecules and how they react in your food in order to, you know, do whatever. And, and as in culinary science, our I guess goal is to just be able to take that perspective and, and apply it to what we're doing. So a lot of people who, a lot of uh, culinary science, people tend to be like, you know, in a test kitchen or in a, like a, a research lab, but not doing uh, like actual like experiments. Well, not experiments, I should say, but not like, you know, mo- molecular experiments. It's, it would be like you, try a different recipe you try to make something <clears throat> a different way or you um you know you're, you're you're trying to figure out what something tastes like and how to get it to taste like something else or how to make something else taste like that thing um and like if if anybody's ever watched bon appetit test kitchen a mm. lot of those people have some sort semblance of a background of like food science they all take a very uh you know science-based approach to a lot of the things that they do even though it might not seem it that's that's what they're doing because recipe making and stuff like that it you it takes a lot of um trial and error similar to a a science experiment traditional science experiment
0: okay so obviously not everybody who works in a kitchen at a restaurant goes to get a culinary arts or culinary science degree. Mm -hmm. So what is your end game then? If not to like, obviously, like you don't need that degree to work at like forte, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. so what, what is like your end goal with your degree?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, That's, you know, the big thing about culinary school. And when somebody starts working in a kitchen, it's you, you, especially someone from a culinary school background, you get that sense of like, oh, like you went to culinary school. Like you think you're better or like a lot of people come out of culinary school thinking that they're, you know, you know, uh, that their shit don't stink, so to speak. And, and, uh, you know, they, they feel entitled and end up being like really not great, you know, kitchen workers or people who have worked in restaurants their whole life, you know, from like 15, uh, you know, and, and they're like, well, like I didn't go to culinary school. Like, you, you know, like what is this person doing? So there's a lot of I don't know. I want to say like but, butting heads, so to speak. And uh, the the attitude towards culinary school is very mixed. A lot of people think that you really don't need it to be successful in the kitchen. And really you don't. You really don't. All you need to do is get experience. The bit, the, the you learn the most when you start working in a kitchen and like any anybody that you talk to from like my school who's in the culinary program will tell you the same thing. Like you really don't start learning stuff until you get like your internship or you've worked in a, re- a kitchen before. It's just, it's literally not the same. Like you, you will never learn the same until you're in a kitchen, a real kitchen, like a real restaurant kitchen. Um, and um, the I forget what the original question is, but I want to say that uh, where I work right now, it's a lot of. Um, oh, yeah. No, yes. Right. I, I remember. Uh, so, my end goal with my degree is uh, that I don't want to work in a kitchen my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that that background is really necessary in order to progress anywhere in the food industry. So it's important. And I want it, first of all, like, you know, it's literally been my dream my whole life to like work in a kitchen, but I don't want to be like, you know, a head chef or something like that or executive chef somewhere. at some fancy Michelin star restaurant. I would want to own my own snack food company. That's like my big Gary V type goal, you know, like, haha, that's, you know, but, um, you know, the steps to getting there literally could be anything. And um, an important one of those steps has to be working in a kitchen. So and, and learning that basic food background. So that's why my school offers that. And that's why I'm, you know, pursuing that as well. Um, but in terms of other people who literally just graduate with a flat culinary arts degree, um, their aspirations are set a little bit higher than just line cook you know, they want to own their own place. They want to, uh, you know, maybe work on like the supply chain side of things. Um, they want to work like, you know, work in hospitality or, you know, they want to, they want to work in a hotel. They want to be given a head chef position at a hotel. They want to go and work at a Michelin star restaurant under, you know, some of the greatest chefs in the world and to get from no culinary arts degree, to one of those things, it's a lot more, it's a lot more hard work. It's still possible, but you have to do a lot more hard work. Uh, you know, a college degree helps for, you know, I want to say like 20% of that. It gives you that 20% boost and the rest so has you, to come from experience.
1: So you've been met mentioning the word Michelin a lot. Uh, I'm yeah. not familiar with that. Can you explain what that is exactly?
2: Um, So a Michelin star is awarded to a restaurant, I think when they meet like, I think it's five, five. I want to say five. I'm not too familiar either, but I, I am, I'm am familiar with the concepts. um, Just not the specifics. Uh, once you, once your restaurant meets a certain like requirement threshold that the Michelin star guide uh, has that you get awarded a star. And basically the Michelin, stars thing started i think in i think michelin is a french company it started in france uh and people were trying to um at michelin were trying to get people to buy more tires and give people more reasons to drive so in order to fulfill that like little thing in order to like advertise themselves and get people driving more they created a guide of like you know whatever, hundred best restaurants in France and places to go, you know, that they've reviewed and are telling you it's good enough to go and like get dinner there and you should drive there with our tires because of it. So that's, that's what the Michelin stars.
1: That's what are. it came from a tire yep. company. Dude, that's ridiculous. I, every single time you said that word, that's the only thing I thought of. And that's why I had to ask you to clarify. Cause I was like, there's no way those two like correlate. Yep.
2: Dude, that's ridiculous bro (laughs) i know it is pretty cool it is pretty cool it's kind of a
1: good business plan actually for that yeah yeah exactly.
2: exactly and they're still around today so you know um but the like the michelin stars it's uh the like you know people think that it's People are like, oh, my gosh, like that's like the best of the best, like the you know, that's as good as food can get. And it's in a way it is, but almost it's it's. Man, it's it's hard to like, Like OK, so like, you know how like like opera, like true Italian opera versus like, you know, a local theater where they put on like plays and stuff and or, you know, do musicals like there's like that difference between the two like it's still live performance art but it's one has a lot more like
0: higher caliber
2: like yeah like refinement to it and and you know you get dressed up for it and you it's like it's
0: like a like an or an air of like like a higher right class
2: right and at the end of the day they're still both you know putting on a good show but one is going to be extremely honed and refined and, and, you know, it's, you know, taking years and years of like, wow blah blah whatever. Um, and, you know, perhaps a little bit pretentious. Um,
0: and yes, that's I what saw, Michelin star restaurants I saw on are. TikTok the other day, this guy went to a three star, is three stars the highest?
2: Three stars I believe are the highest, but it's yeah. very difficult to get that.
0: So this guy went to a three-star Michelin restaurant in, I think, like the the village or something like that, and he's like, "Look at this awesome dessert this guy's making for me at this restaurant," and he's just like taking like wait n- Nutella spread and like throwing is this. It.
2: Is that high speed dining?
0: I think so. Yeah,
2: dude, I love that guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's like, "This looks so good," and it's just like yeah. fucking like jelly and peanut butter on mm-hmm. a table. It's like, <laughs> like
2: no, it, exactly. <laughs> it's like it, you know, at the end of the day, it's like it's just really pretty food. It's like, that's yeah. it. And it's like very complicated and very involved, like the whole process of making it and it's very delicate and precise and somebody's just going to eat it. So, you know,
0: like, yeah, the guy was sitting there. He's like, what are you adding now? And the chef just wouldn't answer him. He's like, "Yeah, right. right. Okay. It's like, he's yeah. like, okay, cool. And then this guy came over and he described like the whole meal in great detail. He's like, you're really going to get the chestnut flavor over the, the the peanut butter I'm like, <laughs>
2: right yeah and and you know and just as like I said with the uh, theater analogy like there's a time and place for opera and like there's you know there's a reason why Michelin star restaurants exist and those meals like exist yeah. it's like because it's it, it is entertaining and fun and you know pretty and, and you can eat it like well what, what is better than eating something that's like a piece of art you know mm-hmm. but yeah that that that's the whole deal with michelin star restaurants and you know there there's a bunch of not michelin star restaurants which are also extremely like you know high class and and whatever but i you know there's a lot of restaurants nowadays i think that um like you wouldn't really consider like michelin star restaurants that have michelin stars because i think 2 is like really where stuff starts to get like you know yeah intense
0: Yeah, and it's also, like, I feel like it could be, like, because of those stars, they set their meals to, like, a higher standard, so it's just, like, grossly overpriced, too.
2: Oh, yeah. I I mean, yeah, everything's going to be very, very expensive, and it's going to be, like, you know, this big of a bite, and it's, like, you know, a $60 plate. It's, like, geez, Louise. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I have a question about the history of this. How the hell did everyone believe Michelin (laughs) <laughs> on reviewing restaurants like they're a fucking tire company like what are they, they're they so out of line what are they doing bro i don't I, I think it was
2: like when they first even started like having like like black tires like but, but like you know like before they were white walls and stuff like they're like it was like literally like the 1910s <laughs> so like if a company like did something they were like oh this,
1: you know it must be nice so do they create like a whole separate part of their company that like became like trained uh I don't know restaurant reviewers like whatever field that is like I how think do you- they I think they partnered with
2: somebody who was like a reviewer. I'm not really too sure but I think they I think they partnered with like another person or, or like a group of people to actually like put together the list. Like it was a real list, yeah, you know and it, it was France like you know they don't mess around with food over there. So
1: yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. It wasn't connecting with me.
0: <laughs> Checking, fucking like Joe Michelin's like,
1: yeah, well, I ate at this pizza place. It was pretty good.
0: Three stars. Like, you know, I, yeah, I was, exactly. It's like, oh, my God.
1: um, The 59 of the 62 restaurants in Northern Virginia all have three stars. You've got to go there. It's like, right. wow, you really want me to drive, don't you? Right, uh-huh. right. Anyway, um, so I've been I've wanna ask this question for the past few minutes. So, like, there's so many kids that grow up wanting to be like a police officer or a um fire man, or you know, even some people want to go in the military, or some people want to do whatever, you know. Some people want to go a lot of people like like journalism or mm-hmm. counseling, you name it. There's not a lot of people that that i know personally that going to culinary school it's it's more of a rare thing which is really cool my opinion i i i i think cooking's so hard but my whole point is is what what made you so interested in that because i know for example like the things that i'm interested in i can usually trace back why i like them and probably where they begin so i'm curious to see how that starts from someone that's interested in culinary school
2: yeah um so um basically i want to say it all started with ratatouille the movie are you Literally. serious yeah i i when i i think you know i i well because i've loved food my entire life like i loved eating it and then i saw that movie and i was like wow this is crazy like like people really like like do that like you know you made and, that shit
1: and look cool too
2: yeah like it looks it looks like badass and you're like you know there's the dude with the thumb and the freaking little guy and the buff rat like the big ass rat that takes the health inspector out of there um and i I, you know i just thought it looked like so much fun and you know I, i owe a lot of my love of food and cooking to my mom as well she you know has cooked my whole life and she's a very good cook an even better baker. And, um, you know, I'd always help her out with stuff and, uh, like, you know, just always being around in the kitchen, literally I, I would, you know, just find a love for it. And then as I would, you know, get older, I'd watch, you know, a million cooking YouTube videos and, you know, binging with Babish, the whole shebang and, and, you know, I would start reading more like about cooking and, and reading or watching, you know, more educational stuff I want to say. And, and you, you just, the the more you, you know, try out your own things, the more you feel comfortable with food. It's just, you kind of feel comfortable sitting in that pocket and doing it. And, and it's, it's just, you know, something that I've always felt really fulfilled with doing. And whenever I've had the ability to, you know, cook for someone and have them really like love it, it, it's, it's a, it's a really good feeling for me, you know, personally. And, and to, to be able to do that for like a living, it's, you know, like, I love it. I love it really. Honestly, I do. And it's, um, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't you know, have the, that good fortune of being able to love what they do so much.
1: Yeah. No kidding. I mean, you didn't always have to go into culinary school, so you kind of owe some respect to yourself. Anyway, (laughs) what I was going to say was, um, do you, do you like it for the action of just being in the kitchen and simply cooking? Or do you also like putting on a performance for your audience? You know what I mean? Cause like at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. cooking is an art and what you do is you create and then you show, so right. a lot of people don't compare it to like, you know, pay, like painters or musicians, but it's the same thing. So do you like that aspect of impressing people or is it simply a behavioral thing that you enjoy the actions that go along with cooking?
2: You know, that's a, that's actually really a really good question. I've never even really thought about that. Um, I really like. I think the actions and that's something that I try to work on myself a lot is the presentation aspect, because I find myself, you know, I, for me, I like, I, I I like how pretty something looks is not going to translate to how well it tastes. You know, I've often been led astray by some fancy looking, you know, plate from a place and been like, ugh, like what is that? Like, what is that thing that I just like? You know, tasted that it, I, you know, sets off the whole dish. I, I'm really more interested. I, me personally, I'm interested in, like, you know, how how to make something taste good. What are the, the steps that you know go into making something, like, really, you know, fulfilling, I guess, or satisfying. But, um, you know, like I said, that's not that's, that's not even the whole thing. There's, is like you said, the, the show aspect of it, the presentation and, um, you know, nobody wants to eat a pile of slop. (laughs) So you're, you know, right on the money with that question, honestly. Um, but yeah. And, you know, it is like you said, an art, you know, the people who, and, and I experience it pretty much every day. I like where I work, the, the, the guys who really know how to like make a plate of food, like look like really appealing. It's like, and they just do it every single day and they like consistently, every single one looks beautiful, every single one. And if not, then there's a problem. Right. So the it's, it really is, you know, something to appreciate
1: yeah um speaking of that you know how you you just mentioned like you know they just like bang out probably like let's just say 100 150 plates that just look perfect mm-hmm. so like at my restaurant i work at like a pretty upscale italian um cuisine restaurant it's it's very nice and so i'm a food runner and um backwards mm-hmm. so i kind of do like two two jobs mm-hmm. um but my whole but i i'm I deal with a lot of the food as, as soon as it comes out, I get to see right. how they prepare it and then how the final dish looks. Yep. And it's, it's amazing to me. I mean, you'll have one guy, I mean, one of, one of my homies, Alberto, <laughs> um, he'll, he'll make a dish or something. Right. And it'll be like bucatini or something. Right. So it's like mm. kind of like spicy, you know, it's, it's really, it's really good. It's one of my favorite um, pastas and it'll come out and it's just perfect. And he'll do that literally 200 times looking the exact same, except it might look a little bit different, but it still gets the job done. And mm-hmm. it's like, for me, like, dude, I'd fuck up how you stick that bacon at the top. You know, like I'd fuck up with like, I'd forget like the parsley or the Parmesan one time, you know? And it's like, and, and you're, th- that's the whole point is like, if you forget one, like that's someone's meal, they're going to complain. That's going to be a problem, like a legitimate yep. problem. And the fact that they're so consistent all the time is like truly amazing to me because there's so many variables with it there's so many ingredients so the chance of you fucking up with one thing is like pretty reasonable
2: yep and you know it's funny that you say that there's a uh i guess a phrase that's where i work right now um that because this is my second year working i guess my second summer working at where i'm at and uh uh, the common phrase just thrown around to everybody, not just me, but me, especially a lot because I'm, you know, relatively fresh, fresh meat, sort of, uh, is uh, don't fuck it up. Like, you know, they'll just be walking by and be like, don't don't fuck it up. Don't fuck yeah. it up, man, because it's true. Like, don't fuck it up like or you fucked it up. And um, you, it, it really just is unacceptable. And at like uh where I'm at, it's a country club. And so. I, I'm mainly work in the uh the banquets area. So I do uh a lot of prep work for like three hundred person parties, you know, uh funeral repasses, weddings primarily, some proms, uh bar mitzvahs, you know, that type of thing. Um but also working in the same kitchen with us, they have like the clubhouse, you know, snack bar guys, the the two the two uh, chefs who do that. And then they also have uh, like the, the club member restaurant, like, you know, fine dining thing that opens at like, you know, six o'clock at night and closes at nine on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, you know, that type of thing. And so I'm, I'm interacting with people literally from all sides of like the the main staples of like you know the food industry there's catering like restaurants and like you know just your average you know morning lunch type of food yeah so i you know i I learn a lot from these guys and they're um extremely knowledgeable a lot of them are very very experienced and you know, the on Wednesdays we do uh, steak night, or they call it something different, but um, it's basically it's steak night. The you know the main focus is steak. You know, there's deals on all these like different cuts of steak that they normally don't serve, um, and they've got a you know bunch of surf and turf options, and you know, so basically, you know, if a hundred covers come in, it's you know, eighty of them are going to be steak. So mm-hmm. on those days. It's the the meat guy is you know the grill guy. He's out of his mind, swamped. Like he's prepping literally from the moment he walks in up until it's time to serve. Uh, you know, cutting like twenty steaks of each. You know, butchering you know four different loins mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's um, and then service starts for them, and it's like. You know, everybody else is totally chilling, fine. And he is like yelling and screaming, throwing things like he, not throwing things, but like, you know, throw like throwing food around, like just trying to get it all good. And, you know, every single one has to be cooked perfectly. And the plate has to be, you know, the right the same e- each time. And he does it every single time. Like wow, he's so stressful. He, he, yeah. But he's one of the best, like literally one of the best.
0: That's One of that seems that's like crazy. such a high stress environment. You know? yeah,
2: yeah, it is. And that's why a lot of people, you know, end up quitting or leaving the food industry or <gasps> developing some sort of substance abuse issues or, you know, any number of, of horrible things, you know, that come with it. So it's, it's, it is strenuous and, and difficult in the food industry. And, but, extremely fulfilling if if you know if you're up for the challenge and like you know wanting to put in a lot of hard work and i know it's like kind of sounds weird coming from someone who's like really only been in like the food industry for like two years but like you you kind of wisen up to that pretty much immediately like you know if you're gonna make it in the kitchen or not like literally within a week and you know it's it's really sink or swim basically
1: do you have any questions in or Kai, go ahead yeah go okay so you, you mentioned that you don't want to be you don't want to work as like a head chef or as a line chef at least when you're older so what deters you away from um like working at like a nice uh French you know restaurant let's just say in Marseille or Lille or Paris or, or yeah. even like a good place in Chicago or New York you know mm-hmm. um So like what, like, because to me, I don't know that much about it. So I'm digging at you so you can explain to me, because Mm -hmm. to me, that's kind of, that's fucking cool because, Mm -hmm. you know, they will be there because you have a reputation there and, you know, like every single time you come out the door and you're like in the dining area, you know, when you're at that level and like someone sees a chef, you're like, oh fuck, you know, like that's, that's fucking cool. And you got to respect him. So you have something like you're always walking around, you know, with, with this like awesome chip on your shoulder, but it's like deserved, you know? And so like being able to live that life every day kind of, kind of seems like its own form of payment besides the fact that you're cooking at a nice restaurant and besides the fact that you're still getting a check. So why don't you want that?
2: Yeah. Well, that's definitely part of it. Um, part of like the, the allure of being a chef for a lot of people. Um, but for me, um, all of that is great. It's like, really the only thing that's holding me back from like doing that is that I want to own my own business. Like I want to be my own boss eventually, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it is so extremely difficult to own a successful restaurant. People, people do not even begin to understand how, truly difficult it is to own a successful you know uh, uh um long-lasting restaurant and you know aiden uh you and i are both familiar with um forte like you know they've been there that's for how, 20 years
0: like right like and, and, it's, their, and we work at we you i work at their second restaurant like their first mm-hmm. restaurant opened up even earlier
2: Right. And so, you know, in order to do that, it's, you know, and and I, you, you, and I'm sure you see the, the chefs, like they are a well oiled and greased machine. They come there to work and they literally, you know, won't stop until everything is prepped for the next day and they're ready to go again. And like they any rest, any successful restaurant has the method down. Like they, they, like, because if not, the business will fail. And, you, you know, how, how many restaurants do you see pop up? And then, you know, nine months later, a year later, doors are closed and that's it for them. It, it happens all the time. And it's just literally because it's so difficult. It's, it's it is incredibly difficult. And I've, already, and I've had classes, um, you know, where we talk about that. But one of one of like my not like kitchen classes, it was like a traditional where I go and like sit down for an hour and a half and a desk classes was called um, menu planning and cost control. And um, that really, really, really opened my eyes to a lot of the business side of owning a restaurant and like really every single ounce of meticulous planning that goes into a successful restaurant. It, it, it starts from bef- like literally before you even sign a lease on a place, you're doing extensive amounts of work on planning and, and thinking and brainstorming and research on what you actually want to do for a restaurant. Um, v- and, and very often places, you know, they don't, they don't cost out their entire menu. They don't, you know, they don't have accurate pricing to reflect you know, a lot of what they're doing, you know, they they go, that guy charges 11 bucks for whatever mm-hmm. so I'll charge 11 bucks for this here. And, and you, you know, like, you literally can't do that. You have to do, you have to sit down and do the math. You have to keep track of literally every single thing because you will leak money out of every single pore of your business with a restaurant from the moment the lights turn on in the morning till the doors are locked up when everybody leaves, like you are bleeding money. And, and the product that you're selling is perishable. It's food. You, 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 know, it's not Walmart. You can't, oh, and I shouldn't say Walmart. It's not a TJ Maxx. You can't just keep the clothes on the rack for as long as you want and stick them on the clearance aisle. Like you, you can't do that. You have to sell, you have to buy exactly what you need and sell it in a reasonable amount of time. And like, like, and I could literally just keep, (laughs) I could just keep rambling about, you know, what it really takes to be successful at a restaurant but it's it's it literally just never stops
0: you also have to have i feel you have to have like a good location obviously number one that's the
2: most important part location location location
0: advertising too because yeah um people aren't just gonna be like oh yeah look at that like new italian place that opened up at that strip mall like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you have to like have a great location and people need to like know about it yeah Ties into like having like good atmosphere, good uh, decorations, whatever you want to call it. Like,
1: yep. Going crazy. off of that, Aiden, that was good. <clears throat> And Correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like if if I put myself in the place of a, a, a entrepreneur for a business for a restaurant, I think the hardest step besides already figuring out what you want to do with your food, what's your um, cuisine, and then you know figuring out prices and getting all the financial situations taken care of. I feel like the hardest piece of the puzzle and, and let me know if I'm wrong with this is gaining a following to where that it can not only support um, all, all the, you know, money you're spending on the food and all the, the, the general, you know, like all like the basic stuff, you know, like the meats, the parsley's, you know, the, the, the mozzarella, all that shit. But it's like, how do you gain a following, a consistent following with regulars where you know that you can get, so you can at least come up, um, where you can make a profit and like stay like like and stay consistent with making money like I feel like gaining a following Mm -hmm. like at the beginning of a restaurant seems to me as though the hardest task to accomplish
2: yeah probably the most important time period for a restaurant is right around when they first open because all eyes are on them basically right like you know every single thing that they do is going to be judged and you know going from there like if it's those are the standards that they're setting for themselves uh, in yeah. those first weeks.
1: And those first few people that try it have a huge influence from mouth to mouth.
2: But yeah. You know, yeah. Like, I was going to say word, word like, of mouth is very important for. Exactly.
1: Cause I mean like you can have like one yap and soccer mom and she might not like, you know, a few of the ingredients, but that's just on her for not knowing the cuisine and she yeah. can go tell Betsy and Sarah and you know, her other 30, you know, soccer moms and all of a sudden none of them decide to go just because of what she said you know like that can happen from everyone on the spectrum like it's crazy those that those first weeks of it opening like it's just you got you really got to be on your shit like you got to make sure that you impress every single person from every single background to get your word out
2: yeah and 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 a lot of that first uh, customer base comes from some type of advertising or some type of something that draws the people into that restaurant like nobody very few times do people you know at your average people go hey let's try a new restaurant there you know usually it's like some type of occasion or something mm-hmm. um so like you said like you need a you need some some type of amount of regulars and and advertising before your place even opens is very very important so if you if you become um interested in restaurants and stuff and and chefs like if you start following a lot of them on instagram you'll see a lot of reposts from them of like their friends restaurants that are opening up and it's like you know they've got all these posts and all these beautiful pictures of plates of food and then the captions like you know less than a week away till we open up and it's like what like you're not open like, what yeah. are you talking about? It, like, y-
0: you're you, building the hype.
2: Yeah. You have to build hype for like restaurants like that, where it's like, you know, like it's, if it's, if it's going to be more than just like a, you know, a lunch restaurant or something like that, like it's, it's going to have a lot of hype and anticipation built around it before and it this, even opens.
1: This shit amazes me about restaurants, bro. There's so much that goes into it. It's crazy to me. Mm
2: hmm. And, and, like- and, you know, a lot of things that I've <laughs> I've realized as um, when I was making the decision about where to go to school and and, um, what I want to do with the rest of my life is that no matter what ends up happening to me, people are always going to want and need food. You know, like there's always going to be some type of necessity regarding food and food handling because, you know, people aren't going to stop needing food anytime soon and people you know, I don't want to sound like, uh, I don't know, a boomer or something, but like, you know, not that many people know how to really, really cook for themselves anymore. You know,
1: no, and, right uh, I think it's yeah. only getting worse, too.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, more people are just eating out and stuff and so, like and, and oh, my gosh. And like like the Uber Eats side of things. Holy moly. That is a entire sector of restaurants and food service that like literally just became a viable business option in 2020 with the pandemic, like, li- like so it's, it's really, really f- like a new, you know, branch of industry. So if you can, you know, figure out a way to make like some type of, I don't know if you've ever heard of like ghost kitchens. Yes.
0: Yes. 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 Does that sound like, familiar? Like, uh, like Mr. Beast. Yes.
2: Like yes. Mr. Beast. Okay, like Mr. Beast, um, those type of things are like really only able to happen because of what you know went on in in 2020 and and the rise of delivery apps. Like, so there's and and restaurants just like on themselves. If you know, if not 40 percent, probably more are mobile orders, you know, for delivery.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that a lot. It's, it
2: it's it's crazy. And I and I at school I work at a um like a smaller, more fast paced, casual type food place. And like I said, 40% or more, if not more, are Uber Eats orders. And let me ask you order. something
1: related to um takeout orders for a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So I see like you said, that probably 40% of the orders that I take care of are takeouts. So, you know, I'll have on the left side, I'll have all the takeout orders and they'll be like in their little containers and I put them in bags and I get it ready. So I give it to the host. She gives it out. On the right side are all the dining people. I don't know about you, but every single time I see a fuck ton of orders that are takeout, there's a little part of me that's just a little offended. I feel like if I was a chef and I owned a restaurant and all these people are too fucking lazy to sit down, come to my restaurant and order my food... And then just like, think that I'm some Walmart, you know what I mean? And -hmm. just like, and just bring in some order. I make it for you. And then, and then it's the worst part is, is that you're going to be getting it after a 20 minute car ride. So you're never really going to be experiencing the full capacity of my art that I'm presenting towards you. You know what I mean? But you're forced to do it on a financial level. Like there's a part of me that's offended by that. You know, like if you want my food, come to my fucking place and get it. Like I'm not some Walmart. I'm not some drive through Taco Bell for you. You know, I spent my. I like my whole career finding what flavors I like and I'm trying to present it to you and you're just treating me like I'm some like Taco Bell. You know what I mean? Like, do you get offended by that? Like, I don't even work there. And I feel like that kind of like it rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, it's,
2: um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a double-edged sword because at the same time you want to be like, fuck all these people. I, you know, I'm never doing Uber Eats in in today's, you know, uh, climate, I guess it, it, there's no other way around it. You you have to, <laughs> you have to be able to do takeout and, and Uber Eats and stuff like that, or else, Hey, okay. you're not going to be making money and, and B, you know, the, the most important thing about a restaurant and the food service is we aim to please the customer. And, you know, if the customer doesn't want to come in, you know, oh, well, we got to we got to do what the customer wants. But like you said, it is kind of fucking annoying because it's like, damn, like I have to put this thing in a stupid bag. And by the time they get it, it's going to be cold and like runny and the yeah. oil is going to be all over the bag. Like They're just
0: going to throw it in the microwave. Yeah. And you're yeah. like,
2: exactly. you're like, damn.
1: But it's kind of, it's, it's, kind of a, it's like it's almost offensive to your work, though. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of bullshit, but there was this
0: one time where I fucking delivered food from the restaurant that I work at across the street. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like I was like, I was like yeah. just walk across the fucking street. Like <laughs> Yep.
2: Yep. It's and it's crazy too because a lot of places have delivery fees. So you're just paying more. So and,
0: yeah. and they're like four ninety nine, five ninety nine delivery fees. So it's like
1: and a lot of those people don't tip too. Like tipping when you're at a restaurant is way more common than tipping for yeah. uh online orders. Like I, I talk to the hostess all the all the time for my restaurant and they take all the tips for um, the online orders. And I get all the tips from inside the restaurant. And because of that discrepancy, because of that difference, like I make way more fucking money than she does. And she has, she makes like 1150 an hour and I make seven fifteen an hour, but plus tips in the restaurant. And I blow her away with what I make just because no one tips her ever on the online orders, you know? So it's so yep. much, it's so much more common to not see that you know
2: yeah it, it, it really is and and you know a lot of it as it's it really sucks because so many people hate tipping and for real it's you know at the same time where it's like like someone who eats out a lot and like you know i i you know sometimes i don't want to tip or whatever it's you or like you, you feel like like why why should I have to tip like why like why doesn't my cost of the meal cover it? It's like restaurants are barely profitable as it is, you know. Yeah. So paying f- for labor and wages is, you know, one of the three most significant things. Uh, yeah, in in the overhead of a restaurant, yeah. like it's, you, your your labor is the thing that like you can control most aside from like buying like your food and and how much the price of your food is. And, you know, in order to keep that percentage down restaurant owners like that, they don't have to pay people that much so that they can rely on tips. And unfortunately that means you have to rely on tips, which are unreliable. So, I
1: think think we see that. So, I think um, one of the biggest reasons why we see so many people not tipping is because their parents don't properly educate them on how the finances work in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Because when you sit down and you see that pasta is $26, you pay for what you're getting. Why the fuck would I need to, you know, put five more dollars on the table? Like, they literally don't understand it. And also, people are stingy enough giving up more money. But to understand that side of it to where, you know, like even like the economics behind running a restaurant is essential to understanding that that that, that those five dollars run that restaurant. You know, yeah, and you know, a lot and, of people and, that aren't taught that,
2: and and like like honestly, I I what you just said, uh, I resonate with because I feel like people are starting to just in general sort of miss the point of restaurants. You know, like they're they're kind of it's becoming something like different for people a lot of times it's, you know, like there, there is, there's a decreased amount of appreciation, I think for, you know, what, what real restaurants do and, you know, a a loss of understanding for that. And it is unfortunate, but, you know, I guess the, that's what makes the people who appreciate that stuff. So, you know, liked in, in, in the food industry, because it's like, you know, wow, these, you know, these people, are you know my home, I guess you know, so to speak.
1: And, and this I is a big, leap for, uh, Sorry, I'm gonna make this one last point, in, but this is a big leap for me to uh, to um to try to conclude with. But I think how easy and accessible the internet has made purchasing for individuals, um, to be like for for example, Amazon. You want to get a, you want to get a pack of pencils. You see, they're eleven dollars. You know, they're eleven dollars. That's it. You know, and it makes it it, it, after we do that over time, we start to forget that like there's a thing called economics, like there's not just this floating thing of pencils in the air and it's eleven dollars and you buy it just for that. Like things get to where they are. You know, Mm -hmm. there's always steps to how they get to be. And I think the Internet has made it so easy for people to just see a price and buy it and not think twice about how it gets there to the point where it makes people ungrateful for how. Things run, and I think restaurants serve as a huge example of that, especially with the regard to not receiving tips. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think the internet has made the general consumer a little bit ignorant to economics.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I would happen to agree.
0: I think that one of the biggest things that why tipping is declining are those ipad cashiers, ca- cashiers oh. that make you tip for things that don't yes. need to be tipped like yes. a self-serve frozen yogurt place for example it's like oh you want to pay a car and then they flip the ipad around it's like do you want to leave a tip it's like why am i tipping for something i did and i think that that right. whole ipad cashier ca- cash register stuff is like dissuading people even further from tipping for normal things right. that require yeah. because it's like why should i tip to begin with
2: and then and then and then it's right. It's like even more of a cycle, right? Because waiters are not getting proper tips. Like they're having like a shitty attitude whenever they come to work and they, you know, are like, you know, fuck this. I'm not going to get a good tip anyway. Why should I be, you know, why yeah, should exactly. I put my neck out for these people and yeah. you know, really, really tend to them? And so the service goes down and then no, no less tips. And then the cycle continues
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's <laughs> those things are ridiculous you can walk into a pliable and it's like it's like yeah the tip jar and it's like yeah okay i'll leave like a couple pennies but it's like do you want to leave a tip and it's like 25 percent, 50 percent, 75 percent. and i'm looking at i'm like three thousand percent why am yeah, i literally nine fucking dollars <laughs> for, a, for a fruit bowl <laughs> yeah
2: it's it is crazy but
0: like well, the thing with the, I, yeah and wait waitering is like way different you know what i mean like it, yeah it, it just is
2: it is yeah it is
1: you putting your time and effort like that's something completely different that's why that whole ipad thing pisses me off because it's like there's 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 a need to tip like waiters and whatnot and then there's a need to just be a fucking ass clown all right yeah and then you come out and i'll get froyo, and this girl will be like she was, literally gets a container pulls a lever and says do you want to leave a 25 percent tip on 11 dollar fro yo it's like what the like it's like literally just no i don't. what people value is a tip it's like what the sorry bitch like, what the fuck like don't like i get offended when they like flip that thing around on me it's like who the fuck yeah. do you think you are like yeah. like i'm not gonna tip you for like grabbing a plastic cup like you haven't been waiting my table for the past hour you know what i mean it's yeah. like
2: there's it's, there's I a real like, but it
1: like, construes that
2: and you know when you and, and that, but like for me, right? Like I feel bad because I when I see that tip thing, I'm like, damn, these people are getting paid like eight dollars an hour.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and and their excuse is that they're getting tipped. You know, it's like ah oh, man. That is but true. I haven't thought of it. Like the that. most I'll do is a ten percent tip if nah, they bro, my, if they really like you know gave me a good smile or something. I don't
1: give a fuck about any of that, bro. I'm merciless. Like I, I I. <laughs> I, I give a fuck about tips based upon how much work you put in, and if you're grabbing a fucking plastic cup, I don't give a fuck that you're paid eight dollars an hour. Move somewhere else. Like you don't deserve a tip for that, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. So, moral of the story is, I think, if you don't tip, you're an asshole. And yeah,
1: well, it depends, though. It depends on what general term. General term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
0: does depend.
1: But like, also, like drivers. Like, if you're driving, like that's that you're going out of your way to drive. Yeah, no, drivers should get get car. Like that's reasonable.
0: Yeah, like there's this one reason, dude who reason. I go to who I drop off food. He gives me a check for the exact amount that he paid for for the food and then gives me a $1 tip. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> Amazing.
2: <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? But... Yeah, literally.
1: <laughs> you write me a check for like $3,000 instead. Yeah. yeah, you
2: should just cross it out. Add a couple zeros.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll be like
2: $20,000 million. Dollars.
0: And the check literally Ooh. says like $2794. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> oh, that is terrible.
0: Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok, as well as subscribe on YouTube so that you can watch the corresponding videos. Your continued support is appreciated and I have a lot of fun things in store for the future. Have a great rest of your day.